This is Dennis Mundy. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Uh, our guest today, Sarah Taylor. She is a stand-up comedian, an actor, as well as a spiritual creative mentor and energy healing practitioner. She's a deeply spiritual person. She's somehow been able to mix uh, comedy and spirituality in a great way. I'm uh, excited to learn more about it. She's been on CBS, NBC, ABC. Uh, she's been all over the place. And, but uh, never on Spirit Matters until this moment. <laughs> this, is, this is your <laughs> moment. So uh, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on today, Sarah. Sure. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm so glad to be here. Hello. Thank this will be fun. Um, Sarah, we have, so. we have interviewed about 200 people, some famous, some who should be famous, but you're our first stand-up comedian. Oh, my goodness. Unless we're, you count Beyond Ananda. Everywhere. Anyway. Beyond, Beyond Ananda is, is a comedian That's for true. sure. I, I kind of think Adya Shanti's pretty funny sometimes. We, we haven't had him on yet. So. Well, it's probably because he's a stand-up comedian. He's off on tour right now uh, making okay. people laugh. But um. Okay. So <laughs> let's see. Uh, Sarah, uh, we always start by having our guests uh, tell us something about their a spiritual background and history and, and what brought them to the work they do. So maybe you can um, give us a, a little of your background in a concise way and we can. Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, uh, I was an atheist, uh, raised a staunch atheist and um, uh, moved to L.A. to to be an actress in my 20s and went to acting school and did all that great stuff and sort of came to L.A. and 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 kind of crumbled. Um, I didn't have any spiritual practice and I had never been in therapy. So there was no kind of, um, you know, self-reflection going on. Um, and cut to I'm I'm in my 30s and I decide to learn meditation. So uh, I start studying with a Buddhist teacher and uh, I begin learning some Buddhist practices, and uh, everything opened up. Everything opened up, um, and started falling apart promptly. Um, but uh, you know, the year that I felt called to start meditating and and follow the Buddhist path, which appealed to me uh, as an atheist at that time, um, I felt inexplicably called to do stand-up comedy, which uh, I, I had never done. I was always, I started out being a musical theater actress in community theater and then went off to school and did Shakespeare and Chekhov and, and then moved to L.A. to have a sitcom, you know, uh, thus is the trajectory. And, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, yeah, so so it was it was odd. So there was there was like this um, uh, a path that hope opened up with my meditating every day and going on meditation retreats and learning about Buddhism and uh, being in the comedy clubs at night and and learning the craft of stand-up comedy and all the pitfalls that come with it. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, let me, yeah, I, I'm curious. Uh, yeah. You studied with a Buddhist teacher. Did you ever, with that Buddhist teacher, did you uh, ever discuss comedy with them and uh, in your, I'm mean, assuming you met other Buddhists who went on retreat, uh, mm -hmm. and maybe they were monks, maybe they were they, they were householders. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah. within that Buddhist community, was there a a uh, a sense of humor? Was there kidding around? 
did any for of sure or any of the Buddhists come to, to, to hear you perform? And I, and I don't mean like the average Buddhist person on the street, but the actual yeah. people that took those spiritual practices very seriously. How did they re react to your comedy? Um, you know, my, my teacher, uh, Marv Traeger, um, he... I know Marv. You know Marv, okay. Well, I haven't so, seen him in years, but yes. Yeah, so I studied I studied with Marv in the beginning, and um, he's hilarious. Um, you know, he's mm -hmm. a, a teacher, and a, a t he was teaching at Antioch for a while. Um, so he'd tell these funny stories. So he had a great sense of humor. Um, and so that was lovely that, uh, you know, I was learning about this stuff from somebody who had a, a good, healthy sense of humor. Right. Um, and you know, uh, it's funny. I, the people from the spiritual community, they, they did kind of start coming to shows and stuff. They loved it. They got a kick out of it. Um, I found myself torn in the beginning, like there was my spiritual practice and then there was sort of my, um, my crazy life in Hollywood, staying up and, and going to comedy clubs. Um, and when there was overlap, it would be like, Oh, how exciting, you know, like yeah. it just, uh, it was lovely, which is, which is why, you know, years later now I have these comedy shows that blend meditation and, and comedy. But, um, but yeah, the, you know, I, I, I started undergoing, uh, a series of awakenings and, um, uh, with the first one about about ten years ago, and uh, a, a complete falling into emptiness for weeks and weeks, and and seeing that the self is not what we think it is, and I remember um, I've told this story before. I think I told Rick and Boot at the gas pump, but um, uh, so not to repeat too much. But uh, I just remember feeling like nobody, uh, and going to these comedy clubs and having like a full roster of shows over the coming weeks and getting on stage and uh, wondering, huh, I'm not here. I don't like I'm I'm there's just this 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 emptiness, this awareness. Um, all is quiet, which was a big, big shift for me because I, you know, battled uh, depression and anxiety for many, many years. Um, and I was like, well, well, let's see what happens. And I would just step on stage, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Taylor, and words would come out and jokes and um, communicating with the audience. And um, that that showed me that, you know, uh, you know, it's it's OK to to fall in, to fall into the void, to uh, to let go. Uh, and my uh my stand up comedy started started kind of picking up steam um you know when you first start doing stand up comedy you kind of stink at it uh let's be honest uh you, you suck for a while and um so so i was just trying to because i was in my late 30s when i started and i was like okay i'm going to just really cram in as much as i can and get as good as i possibly can and i was being developed at the comedy store where the manager was putting me up and trying to develop me to be a regular there and i was starting to go on the road and everything and i went away to a meditation retreat and experienced another shift and uh so some might say this is the shift into witness consciousness or cosmic consciousness mm -hmm. um and everything fell away. There was a complete stopping of of everything. And um, I had been very worn down by the comedy scene and by Hollywood and, you know, uh, trying to trying to be a, you know, or being a struggling actor, comedian and honing my craft. And I, I just I let it all go. And um, so I'm trying to trying to be short here. But uh, 
but I, you know, there were that, that awakening was, was pretty profound and, um, brought forward a Kundalini awakening and, um, this sort of, um, uh, emergence of everything that had been, uh, repressed, uh, got into therapy, started doing trauma work, really began to, uh, heal. Um, and that took about five years. And all of a sudden I was like, it, it's, it's, you know, not, I mean, it's ever unfolding, but, but, but it, there was just sort of this specific chunk of time where suddenly I kind of felt ready for the next step, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you went and back so, to acting and comedy. Well, I went on another, I, I started going back to, to acting and comedy and picking it up again after, you know, when you haven't done stand up comedy for like three or four years, I mean, Ooh, you're rusty. Um, and so I picked it back up again and I started, uh, creating the show called the divine mess show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ran in Los Angeles for a while and it was a little clunky at first cause I was trying to find what, you know, the, the, the balance, you know, um, uh, and, and it ran in LA for, for almost a year. And then I, I took it on tour and, and then I, you know, went on another meditation retreat and, um, had a, had a further shift, um, which some might call unity consciousness, um, which has, has been ab- abiding, but, um, uh, it's ever unfolding and deepening and broadening and turning into something beyond all of that. Um, it feels so weird to sort of just succinctly, but, but, <laughs> but, the, but the, it's so weird, but these shifts, they really, I mean, as, as we all know, they, 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 they do turn your world upside down and, um, and so for a while after that, I was like, oh, well, I, I don't feel a call to do acting and comedy again. And, you know, people in my life are like, are you crazy? Like you keep going back and forth. And, uh, you know, uh, y- years prior, I mean, I guess about 11 years ago or 12 years ago, I started teaching meditation once I once I got into all of this. And um, and that turned into doing energy healing work. And as the awakenings unfolded for me, more people who were undergoing some sort of shift or awakening would would seek me out. And, and so I started kind of spiritual mentoring and, and helping people who are going through all kinds of awakenings. So Sarah, I, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Uh, I read that in, in uh, your divine mess your, yeah, uh, tour, uh, you, you end the uh, performance uh, with uh, a healing meditation with the audience. Uh, mm. how, how do you make that transition and how does the audience react to it? Do they know when they come that that's going to happen? <laughs> Or yeah. By surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I spring it on them. You thought you yeah. were coming to to a comedy <laughs> show. Um, I think that's great. Yeah. Well, I have two. I have two shows. One of the shows that I do is called Cosmic Joke, and it's regularly at the Hollywood Improv on Melrose here in Los Angeles, and that's a bit more mainstream. And it's me hosting it with a lineup of comedians, and they don't have to be talking about consciousness or spirituality. Um, and at the end is a two to three minute brief meditation. And uh, so people coming to that know that that's what they're getting into. But because it is at the Hollywood Improv, it's a comedy club. It's very mainstream. So um, sometimes uh, our next show is uh, is December 1st. Um, And, you know, sometimes people can be surprised if they weren't expecting that. But pretty much all the marketing kind of says, hey, it's where higher consciousness and comedy collide. There's a meditation at the end kind right. of thing. Well, that'll um, get you a different audience. That'll get you a different audience. And it's 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 interesting because just, you know, regular comedy lovers will show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, but but by and large, people know what they're getting into. And 
And then there's the Divine Mesh show, which is the show that I take on tour, and that is specifically geared toward spiritual communities. So um, they know what they're getting into. They know I'm a spiritual mentor and an energy practitioner and you know, they, they also know I'm a stand-up comedian. And so they know what they're getting in for, even if they haven't experienced a show like this. Um, and the, the meditation at the end of the divine mess show is about 15 to 20 minutes long. And so that's a, a bit, it's a bit longer and we really take time uh, well, to settle. If I can ask one more question, uh, yeah. are there ever people that feel that the meditation <laughs> mixed with the comedy is irrever- irreverent, that they, they, they would take offense? No, so far, uh, so far not. I mean, for somebody to drag their buns to a comedy show and sit there for 70 minutes, um, you know, or, or I guess with the Divine Mesh show, more like, you know, 55 minutes and then of comedy, uh, sometimes I have guests with me, sometimes it's just me. Um, they, they, they know what they're getting into. And I like to welcome everybody and say, you know, there's going to be F-bombs, there's irreverence, there's salty language. I mean, the human journey is messy, so... Yeah. We're going to celebrate the messiness and celebrate the, you know, the profound and the sublime as well. So, well, you know, that old Zen saying before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water and do stand up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And after enlightenment, you know, do the same. So uh, the same crap. Um, um, So um, now in my experience, People in spiritual circles are either hysterically funny and have great uh, mirth and or they're, you know, terribly overly serious and uh, (laughs) and and unfunny. But you probably, you know, draw from the the uh, the uh, fun loving crowd. Um, But I should say that, you know, both uh, Dennis and I were good friends with Andy Kaufman. Oh, wow. Okay. He was a deep dude. He was. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we were part of the same uh, transcendental meditation community. We were, we would do all these uh, retreats together and, and all that. And uh, Dennis especially was close to him and he would talk about comedy a lot Mm -hmm. and its intersection with uh, spirituality. And he always had a clause in his contracts that he'd have time to meditate and, and Wonderful. That sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess there's you're in you know you, you and he form a lineage now. Mm-hmm. Of uh, yeah, and, and he came up at the comedy store, which is right. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, one funny thing I want to throw out was he did the, he used to do a thing, and I saw it in the Improv in New York, where he'd go on stage and he'd say, "Oh, before before I start my show, and people didn't know who he was. I'm going to mm-hmm. meditate for ten minutes. He'd close his eyes for ten minutes." <laughs> And be silent, and they were very uncomfortable. In oh yeah, idea what was going on? It oh yeah, was really uh, mind-numbing at the time. So I've heard about that. Yeah, the tradition is being carried on. Yes, good to know. Um, I have um, a question. If we can go back to your yeah, um, sure. your uh, uh, series of transformations, mm-hmm. it sounded like there were three stages of it. Could you, I know you, we don't have, you know, enough time, but maybe you could, uh, for the audience, uh, explain the difference between mm-hmm. the th- among those three and whether there was a, a progression mm-hmm. fr- that mm-hmm. was, in retrospect at least, made sense one to the other. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always 
think that, you know, people either there are poppers or oozers on the spiritual path. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, popping that big zit of, of uh, you know, uh, <laughs> enlightenment. I don't know. But um, it, we're all oozers regardless. So I've had um, several pops that are um, distinctive that were milestones, um, uh, that were realizations and shifts in my perception, my, my perceiving of myself and the world. Um, and at the same time, it's been gradual. It's been, it's been an ooze, right? So, um, in, in, you know, 2009, yeah, I would say that first, um, stage, uh, was a, oh, I'm not what I thought I was. I don't know what I am, but I'm not what I thought I was. And um, the next stage was, whoa, I'm nothing. Like, I'm nothing. Mm -hmm. But then but then what am I? I still didn't really kind of um, know what I was. And, and thankfully, you know, with the Buddhist tradition, you know, there's there's not the talk of self. Like, well, you're the mm -hmm. self. You're the, mm -hmm. it's just, it's you no know. Self. Well, it, exactly. It's no self or bust, baby. So it's, it's a continued, you know, like being in, being in the unknown. So for, you know, those five years, I didn't know quite know what I, what, what I was, if I wasn't what I had taken myself to be. And I like the TM model. Uh, I don't know a lot about it, but, um, in that, uh, it, it sort of breaks it down pretty, pretty succinctly. So if you could look mm. at the TM model, that it was the witnessing stage, the witnessing mm. consciousness or cosmic consciousness, which, which then oozed. And it was very clear that I was the witness to, to all the uh, shenanigans, all mm. my human shenanigans and other human shenanigans in the world and phenomena. Um, but there still felt like there was a separation and, um, and then there was the shift in, into unity, the, the, I, the I am that. And I, 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 when, when, when the shift occurred, um, when I was meditating, I, you know, I, I, could not, I could not stop laughing for probably 10 hours. Mm. Because at, it was a cosmic joke. It was like, oh, my God, how did I ever, um, you know, see that I was separate? And... There was a further shift that then um, um, some people might call the the no self shift because even in a unity there's there's uh, there's two you know it's non duality um, but but there are but there are two um, so unity sort of turned into this this oneness the one thing and there was a very distinct moment when um, I I heard the sentence there, there is no perceiver because mm. I was curious about the perceiver and what was perceived. And I was doing a lot of Dzogchen practices. Um, mm. and, um, I just heard there is no perceiver and I experienced a uh, falling through a void. And when I kind of got spit back out, um, I was everything and everything was me and time and space collapsed. So it was, I, I did not exist, but in a, in, um, where I would say earlier, when the shifts began, it was, oh, what I had taken myself to be doesn't exist, but here I am. Hmm. But this later shift was, oh, wow, none of this, every, all of this is prior to existence. There's a deep feeling of, of prior. All is 
is before, like the, 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 the second before the breath is taken or the breath is exhaled. Mm. Um, and yet, and yet, and yet there is existence. And yet mm-hmm. here we are. Which and is yet there's somebody so... telling jokes on stage. Right, right. Yes, yes. yes. Sarah, when you were going through these different stages, uh, was uh, your teacher or a teacher or teachers uh, guiding you and explaining to you intellectually what was taking place to give you some more uh, stability with the experience or, or, or comfort with mm-hmm. that experience? Or were yeah. you just thrown? Well, uh, I a, a little a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, okay. The first five years of my my you know uh, Buddhist path, and you know I, I'm I'm aware that this kind of ran like a freight train with me. It went kind of fast. Um, uh, he he was very very helpful, um, and I would say in 2011 with that that shift into witness consciousness, uh, the cosmic consciousness, where a lot of my trauma came up and and just unlooked at stuff that never got attended to, that I drifted away from Buddhism. I uh, got into therapy, and um, I actually kind of didn't I didn't understand what had happened. I thought that it was supposed to look different and be different. And I had wandered off kind of on my own, uh, which in retrospect, you know, um, I sort of taught myself these energy management tools and sort of um, was very self-sufficient in a way that I guess that was supposed to be part of my path, you know, or whatever. Um, but uh, once I found Shanti and read his book, The End of Your World, Uncensored Straight Talk on the Nature of Enlightenment, which maybe you're familiar with, I was like, oh, so it's it's supposed to be messy and and this is par for the course and I'm on track and um, and that that gave me uh, some comfort, but I, I didn't have a teacher for about, um, four or five years. Um, and, uh, I, I, I guess I considered Adyashanti my teacher at that point. Um, and then I, and then I found a spiritual mentor uh, who was one of his students, Susanna Marie, who's lovely. And, um, she was like a great friend on the path kind of, um, uh, and and I I didn't start working with her till after the shift into unity, uh, the the you know that shift that happened, um, because you know we need people to kind of be like hey yeah you know because your soul your whole system is recalibrating it's such a myth that these shifts happen and like everything's perfect and it falls into yeah. place yeah good I'm glad to hear you say that. There's a body, there's a body that stores habitual tendencies, like Aren't the body we? is, yeah, and the body, the, these yeah. samskaras, I mean, you know, I, I'll, I'll still notice little, little tendencies, I mean, it's so subtle now, but it's like my body will do these little things, I'll be like, ooh, what's going on? Like, I'm completely at peace and calm, but the body is like, ooh, heart's fluttering, something's happening, and, and to just be able to sit with it and be with it and, and, and experience it, it, it melting, you know? Um, it takes it takes time. What was created in time takes time to to clear and dissolve. It is um, what you said just now about the body, the, that witnessing sense of witnessing the body doing stuff. Does that also pertain to your mind and and emotions? Um, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting what when when there is a trigger and and something comes up, um, it's. Um, there, there was a, I got it, I lost it period between like 2011 and 2016, but since 2016, which has only been about three years. So who knows what can happen from here? Um, but, um, 
when when any kind of emotional pain or physical pain arises, it it's experienced as if as if it's as if it's arising within a vaster space. So there's no loss of um, awareness, uh, I amness, whatever we might say. But and and too, this too, there is also pain mm. and pain right. is here. So it's it's um. It's a it's a totality. It it feels like a, um, a, a all is included. So there's mm-hmm. a there's a there's a wide space in which everything arises and falls away, and it's kind of not a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, I'm uh, Sarah. I'm gonna uh, be exiting the interview because I have a prior commitment. But Phil will continue. It's uh, okay. I've had people walk out of my shows. <laughs> no, no. I am so used to this. Well, this is uh, uh, I'm, uh, anyway. Uh, this is fascinating, and uh, I, I know there's a lot of, of, of we'll, we'll post everything up, but there's a lot of your stuff on uh, YouTube yeah. uh, online that people yeah. should watch, and uh, it's fascinating. And I also, I'm in Iowa right now, uh, 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 more than a stone's okay. throw from Los Angeles, but I am uh, making a commitment to come and see you perform sometime in the great. next six months. So I will great. do that, love it. and I'd love you to come out here. I, I Contact me. I'm sure I could set well, up a very We'll do it. Phil. Uh, okay. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. This, this, is, this is a first. We have never had one of us leave. We scared them off. We, yeah. Was, yeah. You know. um, so Dennis mentioned uh, stuff of yours on YouTube. I was on your website where you have uh, clips from your uh, stand-up. But yeah. there was one page that I want to single out because I think the concept is brilliant and I want to give you the promotion. Your <laughs> Teddy Talks. <laughs> teddy Talks. Which, I don't know why nobody with all the TED Talks has ever not, no one else has thought of that before. Describe well, it for our listeners. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> it, it, um, you know, it it happened after that shift in 2016. I, I I didn't feel ready to get back out there and act and do stand-up comedy quite yet, but I, I wanted to be creative. So I had this huge teddy bear that I was uh, taking to a friend's house to give to her her newborn daughter. And I, I just um, uh, propped my phone up in a parking lot and started talking to the teddy bear and sent it to my friend to make her laugh. And uh, so Teddy Talks was born. Um, and Teddy Talks are usually about a minute long. And I uh, careened through the streets of Los Angeles uh, with uh, uh, my iPhone mounted on my dashboard, and I, I have deep and ridiculous talks with my teddy bear. And teddy talks. the ones I saw were really hysterical. And oh, I, thank I hope, you. I hope people sh- get a beat of that. And and you, you don't stop and meditate while you're driving. Uh, I, I don't, but you know what, Phil? Everything's a meditation, so... <laughs> oh, that's what they say. That's what they say. Um, well, being me... in traffic with your teddy bear. <laughs> tell me this. Um have did you find either you know before these awakenings or afterwards that um, there's some relationship between humor and spirituality? Mm-hmm. For example, um, I have as a big fan of comedy and you know and a writer. Um, it yeah. always occurred to me that there's there's something about a well-told joke and the mm-hmm. punchline that has the, a similar effect of like a magic trick 
or mm-hmm. a, a plot twist. A koan. It, it's a koan. Or, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I was about mm-hmm. to say that. It's a koan. <laughs> you have all this uncertainty, all this anticipation, and boom, it's not mm-hmm. what you expected. And, That's and right. there's a kind of transcendence for the audience in that. Sure. Do you find yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, we in order to laugh, that moment of laughter, we have to be present. We, we, we have to be present. Um, if you're in your head, if the audience is in their head and thinking about something else, they're going to miss the joke. They're not going to get the puzzle that's been pieced together that ends with a surprise. And, and so it creates that laughter. Um, and yes, I, you know, I, I, I found that the, the further I've gone, uh, you know, on, on the spiritual path, um, the more, uh, you know, the more I've lightened up, I've just, mm. we just don't take things so seriously there, so to be able to look at the silliness of being human is a deeply spiritual thing. But when we walk around taking ourselves so seriously, I mean, again, let's, you know, the ego's a little inflamed at that time, taking ourselves so seriously, but if we can laugh at ourselves, um, it, it, it is quite spiritual. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting because with writing comedy, and you'll probably appreciate this because you're a writer, you know, writing is very mental and piecing mm-hmm. things together mm-hmm. so that so that they make sense. You're taking concepts and um, uh, agreed upon tropes or familiarities in the culture to make your point. And there were many stretches of time when I didn't have access to that, mm. <laughs> where words meant so nothing to me that I couldn't. I couldn't piece anything together. Um, so, so there were those breaks, but, but there were also at times like that, I would continue to do comedy and, um, and it began to be written, at least my jokes were written from a more spontaneous, intuitive, um, kind of place. So I know there are Mm -hmm, a lot of mm -hmm. comedy writers who are very formulaic and kind of, I mean, they're set up and punchline. You have to have a strong premise and that helps with the payoff and da, 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 da. But um, but it's it's a more of an intuitive process, at least on my end now, mm-hmm. where I'll just discover some something is funny and just try it out on stage. And um, but but yeah, I've noticed that. Well, you know what's weird, Phil, between you and me and all your listeners, is sometimes millions of people are now going to know <laughs> the secrets. Um, is is that uh, sometimes when I am doing the Divine Mess show for explicitly spiritual groups, it takes them longer to loosen up. They, <laughs> oh my God, that spiritual identity is thick. Yeah. Like to get them to like, and especially like my spiritual jokes. Um, you know, I, I uh, with the Divine Mess show, I talk a lot about just relationships, being human, um, yeah. m- moving through the world, like stuff that isn't as explicitly yeah, spiritual. Yeah. But with any of my jokes that are sort of geared towards people who can appreciate a spiritual path, um, usually the people who laugh the most are just people in random comedy clubs or on the road that like are not uh, proclaimed people on a spiritual path. Or maybe they are, but there's something (laughs) happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when a bunch of spiritual people gather to watch one of my comedy shows, they're they're a little um, they're like, can I laugh at this? Can I? Is it okay? Or what are we doing? You know, it sometimes, not so much anymore, but I loosen them up. <laughs> One of the books I have not written yet, I wanted to address to spiritual people uh, and title The Importance of Not Being Earnest. 
Oh my God, I love that. Because, you know, there's a, there's a self, you know, overly serious thing, which is a strange kind of um, uh, phenomenon to me, because some of the jolliest, giggliest, hysterical people I've ever met were (laughs) were gurus and swamis and people like that. You know, they just, most of them are so lighthearted and, uh, you, you know, I remember actually, you know, because I we we as we mentioned earlier, Dennis and I were part of the TM world yeah. back in, back in the seventies, and Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was known as oh, the, he was funny. He was called the giggling guru. Oh yeah. And, and I remember being in a in a place where he came to uh, be with us, and everybody was being so proper that he oh. let he walked out we were just too stupid we were just boring to him he was, oh my god and and yeah. so it was a <laughs> these are important lessons let me ask you this because mm-hmm. we don't have that much time yet sure left um the subject matter of comedy is very mm-hmm. interesting and have you found that as you evolved and went through these uh spiritual uh, changes did the the topics of your comedy, the subject matter that you take on, has, did that change? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I, 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 um, I think when I first got into comedy, it felt very cathartic and great, and it was very personal-driven um, uh, about, about my own personal life and, and um, kind of sorting through my own personal life on stage, making people laugh. But it began to, <clears throat> I guess, go into more observational or sort of more universal um, insights. Um, but, but there still, you know, has to be something of the personal there because people, um, I mean, I don't know, some people are incredible with observational humor, like mm-hmm. um, Seinfeld was really great at it and Stephen Wright and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people today, I mean, Louis CK has mixed, you know, um, you know, personal. With, Let's not with, go with there, Sarah. Oh, I know. That's a whole other thing. But look, <laughs> look, looking at him at least as like a writer and performer, but, but yeah, you know, there, um, it, it's, it's an odd mix. Now, uh, my topics are personal and universal at the same time. Um, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's just an interesting mix. I'll just find myself wanting to talk about something, um, that I wouldn't have wanted to talk about on stage like uh, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think I have a funny joke about how we're all trying to save the planet, but the planet's going to be fine. We might not be. We might and not um, be. sometimes people laugh at the, it's a, it's an extended joke. It kind of goes on for a while. Um, but uh, sometimes people, you know, laugh at it and sometimes people get depressed uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> when they hear it. Yeah. But um but you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm wanting to talk about about different different things now. It it has been evolving. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of your shows is called Cosmic Joke. Yes. Is yeah. there a cosmic joke? <laughs> <laughs> I think the cosmic joke happened for me when I went with with that I am that when I just could not stop saying I am that I am not separate from this great awareness that I that I thought was out there. Um, uh, and that other people were out there, um, that it's all, it's, it's all, it's all one thing. And, and I've never been apart from it. And I am this ever, uh, expanding depth of, of love. And so are, so are we all. And just, I just thought that was the freaking funniest thing ever. And, um, 
it, it, yeah, just this just this idea that we 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 think we're these little separate beings, you know, yeah. just trudging along, just gotta gotta do our thing and build our brand, and we're all <laughs> out to you know get something, and um, it just yeah, I think that's the cosmic joke. It's all one thing happening, but yeah. quite distinctly through each of us. Um, and that is the cosmic joke that we were ever separate at all, you know. That's a good place to end, Sarah. And speaking of branding, uh, everybody, uh, go to sarahtaylor.org. <laughs> Ooh, brand that word. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we will be uh, we will have links when this is posted. And if you're in LA, go see Sarah. Sarah, thanks so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll have to come back and. Uh, have you on after uh, Dennis and I get to see your show? It'll be easier for me. I'm in LA, so great. we'll have to do Sounds that. Sounds great. All Let's right. Do it. Let's do lunch. All right. Thanks for okay, having me. Okay. Thanks, Appreciate Sarah. it. Bye. All right. Bye bye.